And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Career. Morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am the socialite. I'm passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we have an absolutely fantastic program planned for you today because we have not one, but two experts who are going to share their information with you. In the second part of the hour, we're going to be talking with Tom Buford, who was on the program a while ago. We had some technical difficulties, and so some of his message got a little lost, and I felt it was so important that we needed to have him back on again. But starting the program off is Deborah Jason, who has been on before. So welcome back, Deborah. Oh, thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure and an honor. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to do this. And for those who missed you last time, let me give a little bit of your bio just so they know why I've got you on. As a copywriter, speaker, and multifaceted marketing strategist, Deborah empowers you with the power tools you need to gain exposure for your business, create a flow of clients, and build your business so you can enjoy a freedom-based lifestyle. When other writers have researched books on direct response copy, they've turned to Deborah for her input. She has been quoted in such books as The Complete Guide to Writing Web-Based Advertising Copy to Get the Sale, Modern Media Writing and Copywriting Success. She is the author of the forthcoming Millionaire Marketing on a Shoestring Budget and is co-author with New York Times best-selling author Joel Kahn of So What Do You Do? Deborah developed the first social media program for con- the continuing education department at the Kauai Community College on the island of Kauai, Hawaii. So again, Deborah, welcome. Well, thank you. <laughs> great, great. And you know what's so fun about this is the station is in Denver, I'm in Atlanta, and Deborah's in Denver. So, you know, <laughs> we're just covering all the bases here. But the reason I wanted to have Deborah back on, the first time I had her on as my guest, we talked a lot about LinkedIn, but of course we ran out of time because there's just so much to talk about. And the one thing we really weren't able to cover is LinkedIn groups. And I feel so strongly that LinkedIn groups are such an important part of the LinkedIn process and how LinkedIn can really be successful to you that that's why I wanted to have Deborah back on. So, you know, let's just jump in, Deborah. Why should somebody even think about becoming part of groups on LinkedIn? You know, the way that I explain it to people is when you start a business or even if you've been in business for a while, one of the things you probably do is something called networking. And mm-hmm. um, when I speak about millionaire marketing on a shoestring budget, I talk about the importance of networking isn't just joining a group. It isn't about, like, joining a chamber of commerce. It's about getting involved. And so I liken the LinkedIn groups to the to the same thing as joining a networking group where you go in person. It doesn't help you if you just say, okay, I want to be in a group, and then walk away. The importance right. of the group is getting involved and getting engaged and starting conversations where you can then begin to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so for somebody who's not familiar with LinkedIn groups, how do they even find a group that that would be interesting and important for them? Well, all they have to do is go into their LinkedIn profile and search. There is a little button that says groups, and they can search, let's say, a topic that interests them. So it's marketing, and LinkedIn will give them a list of groups in that industry or perhaps they're interested in public speaking or in writing, they can search those groups and then take a peek at the groups, just like you would take a peek, you know, and take, um, excuse me, go for, let's say, one meeting at a live Mm -hmm. in-person networking group. 
you can go into a group on LinkedIn and explore it, see what the discussions are that are happening, and then just click on the little button that says join the group. And in some cases, there will be a facilitator who will approve your um, request. In mm -hmm. other cases, you might be able to just join without having to receive any approval. Right. Well, and, and those, you know, typically some of the groups that need approval are, say, groups that are part of a chamber of commerce or, um, you know, things like that where they want to make sure that you have paid your membership dues um, because that might be part of the perk of becoming part of, of that group. Um, but, you know, I can also, anybody can form a group. So, you know, some people just want to keep their groups private. Some groups think it's it's great to have as many members as possible. Yeah, and you know, just like any of the social networks, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, you can have a lot of fans and friends, mm -hmm. um, and you know, there might be a group on LinkedIn that has thousands and thousands of members, um, but you'll probably end up speaking to a select few that you start to build mm -hmm. those relationships with. Not everyone posts a discussion in the group, but it's always a good idea to check out what's being talked about and how you can contribute to the conversation. Right. Well, and, and I always tell people before you join, you know, just exactly what you said, kind of kick the tires, but read some of the other posts that are there, especially if it's a you know, group that is open where you can see those things. You know, is it active? Is it one or two people who are doing all of the posting? You know, it's, it is just like going in person. Do you want to go to a group where nobody ever speaks or just a couple of people or one where people really actively engage in all of the communications? Absolutely. You know, there was, I'm trying to remember which group I posted something in. It might have been a group of freelance writers. And I actually found an article that someone else had written, but it was about pricing, and I posted it in the group. And the conversation started, well, probably about five or six people started to jump in, and then it started to be one or two people just going back and forth with each other. Oh, dear. Ooh. <laughs> um, and at some point I jumped in and said, you know, we each have opinions. And mm -hmm. let's honor and respect everyone's opinion. You don't have to beat this, you know, dead horse into the ground. And so um, at that point, a lot of people got back into the group and said, thank you, Deborah, for saying mm -hmm. that because they felt like it was starting to get too much between one or two people. Right. And when that happens, you know, there is an option for you to reply privately to a person. Mm -hmm. So you can take the conversation outside of the group. Oh, okay. And carry it on outside. Mm-hmm. Well, and... You know, whether you're the person who manages the group or the person who posted, it's kind of like you need to be that good host and, you know, make sure that people are being respectful and that, you know, we all want to know that we're being heard, but at the same point, like you said, you know, it, it, it does need to be respectful and it's same thing in person. You know, if you see that two people are getting a little contentious, <laughs> you might need to step in and, and kind of lighten things up a bit, um, as may the case be. Absolutely. And another point I'll bring up that I think we talked about in our last call is when you are in a discussion and somebody responds to you, it's a good idea to respond back. And it may mm -hmm. just be as simple as saying thank you. Right. You know, thank you for providing your input. You don't necessarily have to get into a long diatribe um, in response unless, of course, you have something that you want to say. But it's always nice to acknowledge those people for getting into the group and participating. Right. Yeah, because we all like that. You know, we, we post or we speak or we do whatever because we're wanting to be heard. So it's nice to know that somebody, at least one person, was paying attention. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it could be as simple as just liking the conversation, um, mm -hmm. which people will do. And I even when I see somebody has given it a thumbs up, I'll go in there and say thanks for the thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, simple, short, and sweet, but it acknowledges that I saw that they acknowledged the conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find that's really important. Well, and then the, the nice thing is that encourages them to continue participating. You know, we, we never like it if we do something and it just kind of goes off into the ozone. But, you know, even just that simple little like or thumbs up, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I'm comfortable enough that I'll comment again. Right. And you, you say, you know, somebody's paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, so you feel like, as you said, you know, that you've been heard or you've been seen and acknowledged. 
And, you know, the relationships that come out of that, there have been groups where I participate, and then next thing I know, somebody is sending me an invitation to connect with them. Right. And, you know, that is one of the nice things about groups is if you are in a group with somebody um, or several people and you do have that connection, you can contact them directly through the group. Mm-hmm. which isn't something you can do on LinkedIn unless you are already connected. But right. if you're in a group, then you can say, hey, you know, nice to see you here, and since we have been chatting, let's carry the conversation on and connect mm-hmm. and uh, become uh, friends on LinkedIn. Right. Well, and that's a great tip, especially for job seekers who might want to, you know, maybe maybe they're actually currently employed and they're using LinkedIn to help build their network. They don't you know, they might not want to be really open with what's going on, but if they're in a group with someone, then they can communicate with them, and they're not showing up then in their list of connections. True. You know, they can say, hey, you know, let's take this conversation offline, and they can explain why. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to risk, you know, somebody knowing that I'm out there looking for another position. Uh, Right. But there's something, you know, that you said that I feel is worth pursuing, and let's have that conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, I know that on LinkedIn, you can be a member of 50 groups and then 50 subgroups. To me, that's too much to try to manage. Uh, what do you think, and, you know, is there kind of a sweet spot that you aim for? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I don't really aim for a sweet spot. What I do and what I've started doing more recently is going back and saying, okay, you know, I have all these groups. Which ones am I really involved in? Mm-hmm. And is it time to maybe step out of some that I'm not involved in and, you know, open up the, the door for other possibilities? But you're right. It's hard to, you know, especially if you've got 50 um, and then 50 subgroups, to, to be involved in all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like it's hard when you've got, you know, 30,000 people who are in the group to actually be connected to all those 30,000 and feel like you have a relationship with them. Right. Um, so, you know, my advice is go search the groups that really relate to what you're doing or what you would like to be doing, and then pick the ones that seem the best for you and start in interacting with those. And if you have a good experience, then stick with them. And if you feel like it's not working for you, then maybe you want to step out and find something else. But do what you right. feel is the most manageable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as you know, most things in life, we can't be all places at all times. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I'll be honest, you know, I need to go through my list of groups and weed some out. Um, you know, there are some groups that I joined that I really don't participate in, and oh, I'm one of those people that I don't participate as much as I should in the groups that do interest me. Um, you know, I read what people post, but then I get busy, um, you know, and, and I think that's part of why I need to go through and take some of the, you know, get, get out of some groups because it, it just seems to me that what I've been doing is taking too much time. And, and, um, and I had aimed for that 50, you know, that magic 50. <laughs> and so I, I you know, and, and I'm thinking probably for me 10 would be a good number. Um, but as you said, you know, I need to go in. I need to look. Is it worthwhile? Um, you know, it's it's not going to hurt anybody's feelings. I hope if I leave a group, you know, they they won't even notice. It's not like you know they're they get a, a notice that says, "Oh, Democrat is no longer a member of your group." Um, you know, they'd only notice if they tried to interact with me. Um, but but yeah, it's something where you need to rethink it and see, you know, is this a beneficial group to me or not? You know, it's interesting. I just had this idea. Um, when you were talking about, you know, stepping down from a group and, oh, my God, somebody's going to say, oh, Deb left. Um, but it's kind of like, if you think about it, email, you know, and when you build your email list mm-hmm. and people opt out, um, I don't know about you, but I used to go, oh, no. I know. Oh. <laughs> but they don't love like, me you know, anymore. If they don't want to be on my list, then it's better that they do opt out. So if you don't want to be in the group or you're not getting anything, you know, or giving anything to the group even, then, yeah, it's okay to step out and either, you know, leave it be where it's at or see if there's another group that uh, piques your interest. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and one of the things that we briefly mentioned when we started talking about researching groups is, you know, you look at it, (coughs) excuse me, you see if it's something that looks interesting, also look to see if the group has rules. 
Um, you know, because now, you know, many groups don't, but there are groups that do, and they might say you cannot self-promote, um, you know, various things like that. So you always want to make sure that you're following the rules that the group has. Absolutely, and it's interesting because when I talk about groups, one of the things that I mention is it's not about going into the group. You know, if somebody posts a question about, for example, Colorado, when there's a group in Boulder and somebody might say, hi, I'm coming to Colorado to visit and I might move there, you know, and I'm wondering what parts of Boulder have the best schools because I have three children. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will see somebody jump into the group and go, oh, hi, you're coming to Boulder? You want to live here? I'm a realtor. I can help you with that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and they don't answer the person's question. Mm -hmm. You know, now if they had gone in and answered that person's question and said, oh, you know what, the schools in North Boulder are really good. My children went to this school and they loved it. And then that conversation starts maybe somewhere down the line. If you are that realtor, that might turn into a sale for you. Right. But the purpose of the group is not for you to go in there and start pitching that before you've ever answered that person's question. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is about building those relationships. You know, if if I had if I'd been that person who posted, you know, the person who responded with the sales pitch, I'd be going ugh. But if they responded and and said, hey, you know, my kids went there. It's a great neighborhood. My next question would be to them, oh, tell me more well, about it. And then more than likely, I'm going to look at their actual profile and see that yes, they are a realtor, and think, okay, well, this is this is why they were responding. But you know. That's okay. I like them now. Right, because you started to develop, you know, that good old know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there are times I've been in groups and then I get somebody requesting, you know, to connect with me. And they say, oh, well, you were in that group that we were, you know, discussing A, B, and C. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, cool. You know, nice to connect with you. Right. So um, you never know where those relationships are going to lead you. Um, and how they're going to develop in the long run. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's always a good idea to treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. And if you don't want to be slammed with a sales pitch, um, why would they? And, of course, right. you know, we're all in business to make money, um, but the beautiful thing about social networks is that, as you and I both know, they're supposed to be social. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's always good to follow that protocol, and especially if there are rules that are listed in the group, um, mm -hmm. to make sure that you honor those. Right. Well, and when you're looking at those rules, there's also some settings that you can, can select. You can decide how often you want to be uh, have the, the notices about posts on the group, uh, whether it's daily or weekly. Uh, you know, I, I typically set mine at weekly, but it all depends on why you're in the group. You know, if it's a group where it's very active, you know, or you're wanting a lot of information out of it, you may need to, to get that notice once a, a day. Um, you can also choose whether the logo and the name of the group shows up on your profile. So that's another thing for job seekers. You know, if, you, if you've joined, say, the Denver Networking Job Seeking Group, <laughs> you might not want that profile or that logo showing up on your profile if you're still currently employed. So you'll really make sure that as you're looking at all these things, you look at what the settings are. And they're, you know, you set them for each group. It's not that you set them overall, you set them for each group. And I, like you, usually get them weekly, but for someone who mm -hmm. is, let's say, job searching, then getting them daily, depending on what the group is that they're joining, might be worthwhile for them. Right. You know, I know most of us are in that mindset of we're, we're getting way too many email notifications, um, but there's reasons where it might be to your best interest to get it daily. Right. You know, and, and it is one of those things where the nice thing is you can go back in and change the settings, you know, so maybe you're getting too much or not enough or, you know, all those various things. So that's one of the, the things that I think is so cool about LinkedIn and the groups is you can change those settings. Yeah, they make it easy to do that. And in addition, I believe you can go in, um, I haven't done it in a while, but you can lead the discussion. So, mm -hmm. you know, if the discussion is right. going on and on and you feel like, okay, you know, I really don't have anything else I want to contribute now or what people are posting really doesn't interest me any longer, you can leave. And, you know, mm -hmm. again, it's not like they're going to get a notice going, oh, right. you left the discussion. 
Mm -hmm. um, so you can take what works for you and then leave the rest. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, here's something that's a pet peeve of mine, and I wanted to, to get your opinion on it. I belong to several groups where there are people that belong, the same people belong to those same groups. And one person will post the exact same thing on, say, four or five groups. I don't like that. Now, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, posting the same information, but I think for each group, you should personalize what you post because each group is, is a little bit different. So rather than just, here is a link to a recent article that I read about yada, 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 I think you should personalize it for the group. But, you know, what do you think, and do you think it's even good to be posting the same thing on multiple groups? You know, that's a, that's a good point because um, I used to do that. Um, you know, I put up a discussion on my profile, and then I went and posted it in all these groups. And uh, it's been a while since I've done that. Now when I go in, like you just said, I'll personalize the message and, you know, it might be, and now, you know, there are also a variety of different groups I'm in. So what I post may not apply to all the groups. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's another thing to keep in mind is what is it that you're posting? If it's something about, um, you know, freelance copywriting and you're in a group that has to do with public speaking, maybe there's a freelance copywriter yeah. be a public speaker, but it really doesn't seem to jive. You know, mm -hmm. so right. make sure that what you're doing, it makes sense for the group that you're involved in. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, speaking of that, and, and this is, of course, you know, right up your alley because you are a writer, you have to make it interesting. So what are tips that you have? Because, you know, like we, we get those weekly or daily emails, and it's got just the snippet of what the, the, the things are. So how do you suggest that people get somebody's attention so that they think, oh, I have to click on this email and go in and see what is uh, happening in this group? Well, that kind of leads back to, you know, the good old headline or subject line or benefit-oriented headline, you know, that teases somebody or piques their curiosity or touches on their emotions. You know, when you're writing mm -hmm. copy, um, there are two triggers that get people to respond or that grab their attention. And one is piquing their curiosity and the other is touching on their emotions. So it depends what the discussion is, whether you're starting one or you're posting an article that somebody else had. You know, do you have a provocative question that will get people to respond to that? Um, do you have one of the, actually one of the ones that I got a lot of responses to is just simply saying, I'm curious what your thoughts are about this. Mm -hmm. And people were, you know, interested in saying what their thoughts were. Um, so it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about people wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard. So look at what it is that you're posting. Look at what the group is that you're posting it in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, try to get into their mindset of what is important to them and then make your um, your personalized content address that issue or that concern of that group. Right. Well, and one thing that you mentioned that struck me is that you keep track, you know, uh, mentally of what has been a successful post and what hasn't. And I think that's something that's really important for people to realize is, you know, if they're only posting, say, links to articles, did people care about those mm -hmm. or, you know, what the discussion was or how they phrased it? Because if it worked, then you want to do it again. Right. If it didn't work, well, think about something else. Yeah, there are times that I've posted something and nobody has responded, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, then there are other times where people start the conversation. And, then, you know, I don't always start the discussion. I'll get into groups where somebody else has started the discussion Mm -hmm. um, and then I just kind of track what people are saying after I've posted a comment and see if they're responding to what I commented about or if there's something additional that I can contribute. There was a group just recently where somebody was asking something about LinkedIn, and his question had actually already been answered by the time I got into the group. But I just went in there and kind of reiterated what the person said that had answered the question, and mm -hmm. people still responded after that, you know, and liked my comment. And um, you never know what they're going to respond to, so don't be afraid to jump in. Right. Well, and one of the things that I think you said that, that is very important is see what other people have said. Um, you know, you don't want to be the parrot 
that echoes back what somebody just said, um, you know, and, and, or, or if you do, you can say, hey, you know, I agree with Bob, um, and here's why. But, uh, you know, read what other people have said, and, and for heaven's sakes, if somebody comments about what you said, it's just what you said earlier. You need to acknowledge that, um, and, you know, whether they agreed or disagreed, and, you know, keep that conversation going. Absolutely. And, you know, you just said something about that where, um, Sometimes you might get in a group and there have been a lot of comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's another way to not just connect with the person who posted the original discussion, but to connect with other people in the group and say, yeah, I agree with what Deb said. You know, mm-hmm. Here's a little different take on it or you know, here's right. something in addition to what Deb said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you not only are involved with the person who posted the discussion, but the people who were involved in the discussion along with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it does take time. And I think that's probably one of the things that people hesitate about the most. Uh, you know, that is definitely why people tell me they don't even use social media or they don't use LinkedIn. It takes too much time. But it was interesting. I had um, Mark Schaefer on my program several weeks ago, and one of the things he said was he doesn't even really go to in-person networking anymore because he gets so much out of his online networking. And so I think, you know, you, you might not want to completely stop meeting in person, but, you know, transition, you know, rather than going to have that chicken dinner and that lunch, you know, think about what you can do online with that hour, with that two hours, um, you know, and, and just really figure out what's going to work best for you. Oh, well, you know, and that's a good way to look at it is the time you might spend at a networking event Maybe you spend that time on LinkedIn instead. I'm still a big believer in face-to-face networking. Right. Um, but one of the beautiful things as well is you might meet someone on LinkedIn who mm-hmm. then you can meet in person at, you know, a networking event. And that makes mm-hmm. takes the relationship sort of up a notch to another level because you've already been chatting, you know, in a social network, and now you're going to chat right. socially face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, I just met somebody when I was back east. Um, we've been connected for about three years, so we've met online, but we've never met in person. And we finally met in person when I was back in New York. And, you know, it's delightful to have those connections. I love it. Well, and, of course, the big thing that you just pointed out is we can be in groups with people around the world, um, you know, and, and depending on what you are using LinkedIn for, what your product or service is, all those various things, it might be extremely beneficial for you to be in groups that are in different locations or have members from a variety of different places. Oh, absolutely. You know, you're not limited, thank goodness for the Internet, you're not limited to right. your, you know, location. Mm-hmm. Be anywhere. Great. Well, Deborah, huh, see, we've done it again. We have almost completely run out of time. And, and I really do feel like we just scratched the surface of this because I think LinkedIn is the professional place where every professional person needs to be spending time, you know, more than just going in and having their profile and, you know, participating in groups, doing all of those things. So, you know, we'll just have to have you on again, and, you know, and, and especially because I want to talk about your new book. So we'll get that scheduled. But for uh, people who want to connect with you, please tell them how they find you online. They can find me at rightdirection.com, which is W-R-I-T-E, rightdirection.com. And, of course, they can find me on LinkedIn um, under linkedin.com slash in slash Deborah Jason. And the other social networks, Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Pinterest. Um, but to keep it simple, let's stick with LinkedIn and my website, rightdirection.com. Perfect. Well, and as I said, you've got a book coming out. Tell us again what the title of it is. It's Millionaire Marketing on a Shoestring Budget. It's How to Gain Exposure for Your Business Without Breaking the Bank. Oh, which is obviously social media. Um, so, as I said, we will have you back on again. And, Deborah, thank you so much. And I look forward to reading your book. Thank you, Deb. It's been an honor to be here. Have a fabulous day. Thanks. You too. Wow. You know that I could talk about LinkedIn all day, but we do need to take a break. And so when we come back, we're going to speak with Tom Buford about charging what you deserve. So I am Deb Creer on Mile High Radio, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. 
Stimulating talk radio. MileHighRadio.com Attention active duty, National Guard, Reserve, and retired veterans. If you or a loved one was injured while serving our country anytime after October 2001, you may qualify for up to $100,000 in TSGLI tax-free benefits, even if the injury was not related to military service. Also, if you've been denied VA disability benefits for a service-related issue, we may be able to help. Call the James Rolls House Law Firm at 877-722-3258. That's 877-722-3258. You can lose 10, 20, 30 pounds or more with Maximum Slim's first ever rapid weight loss guarantee. Today, you get Maximum Slim, an advanced fat and carb blocker, absolutely risk-free. The all-natural ingredients in Maximum Slim are a powerful weight loss combination. The Maximum Slim formula turns your body into a fat-burning furnace that supercharges your weight loss. Advanced fat and carb blocker stops the breakdown of sugar so your body doesn't store it as fat. Today, you'll get both of these products absolutely risk-free with no obligation. Only pay shipping. There are no expensive meal plans or exhausting DVDs. Just take Maximum Slim twice a day. It's fast, simple, and now it's guaranteed. Look, you can start losing weight today or not. Go back to your high school days and wear your favorite jeans again. Guaranteed. Call now and get both weight loss formulas free. Call 800-375-7482. 800-375-7482. That's 800-375-7482. Yep, here's your problem. You haven't been listening to MileHighRadio.com. And now, we're back for more fun and inspiration with social media expert Deb Creer and her fabulous guest. We are back. I am Deb Creer, and I wanted to uh, thank Deborah Jason again for splitting this hour with us. It makes it kind of fun to be able to have two guests in one hour. And so now I would like to bring back Tom Buford. We had Tom on um, one of our prior shows and had a little bit of audio problems. And what he has to talk about is so important. I thought, let's have him on again and really make sure that people understand his message. So, Tom, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me back. It's great. Great, great. (laughs) Well, just quickly, Tom is the founder of Charge What You Deserve and Tom Buford Marketing. He has been a successful self-employed service professional for the past 14 years. He built his very first successful business as an automotive painting contractor when he was just 27 years old. Within two years, he turned Paint Solutions, Inc. into a solid six-figure business. Since then, he's been a coach, consultant, author, speaker, skydiver, musician, and most recently, husband and father of two awesome boys. Tom tapped into his experiences as a business owner and created his Charge What You Deserve programs, where he shares fee-setting strategies with service professionals so they can live the lives they've been dreaming of. Using his techniques, Tom's clients have been able to double their fees and attract more clients than ever before. And you can see why I wanted to have Tom back on, because I think this is so cool. So, Tom, tell us, again, why you think this is so important for professionals to really start thinking about. Yeah, good question, and, and thanks for the great intro. And, and um, you know, I think the one of the things people do when they get started with a service or a product or, you know, whatever it is they're selling, number one, they look out to their market and they start competing on price. And uh, it's great to go look and see what other people are doing, what they're selling their, their products and services for that are in, in and around your market. But if you're going out there and saying, well, you know, this group of people, they're charging X number of dollars, so I better do the same, then right. it's really difficult for you to stand out. It's difficult for people to see the difference. They're just basing, you know, the you're then competing on price, and then people just look at some of the funky features, and and you can really, really, uh, I, I think, damage your sales and, and profits by doing that and just setting yourself up that way. But also, right. people tend to start real low with their prices, and mm-hmm. then they kind of ignore the value that they're offering, and they're not looking at some of the things that, you know, a way that they can be communicating their service in a better way that sounds more interesting or more intriguing. Uh, mm-hmm. to really grab someone's attention. So I think it's important to look at price and see, you know, really sit down and say, what is this service worth? What 
what is the cost of not having what I'm selling, whether it's a product, an right. information product, a service, um, consulting, training, whatever it is that you're offering. So really look at that and take time to think about the price. Don't just look at other people out there that are charging X number of dollars and say, well, that's where you have to fit in because mm-hmm. they're – I mean, I think at every single niche, every market out there, you can see examples where people um, are at the extreme low end, and the majority of people are right there in the middle, so they're all competing. And then you have this other group that are toward the top, and that is ideally, I would say, where you want to go um, mm-hmm. so that you can have you know greater profits with fewer transactions. Right. Well, and part of it, too, is when you are competing just on price, you kind of get the wrong type of client. So explain to us what the wrong type of client is and why that's not really who we should be aiming for. Yeah, you know, some people, I, I think they just, they realize, you know, there's something I need to work on and, and they throw money at a problem, right? They, they hope that when they pay some money to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lose weight, work in a relationship, to uh, improve their social media, whatever it is they're doing, they're kind of just throwing money out there and hoping that it's going to disappear. And they're not really invested in that solution. They're not fully mm-hmm. on board. And if a client's not fully on board, it's really difficult. You're probably never going to get them to the finish line. And if you don't, um, that reflects back on you and your business. And it, it's right. not that you're responsible for them because you're not. You know, you're mm-hmm. responsible to them, not for them. So you need to d- deliver a great service and, you know, deliver on your promise. But you know, we're not there, unless you have a done-for-you service, we're not there to do it for them. And even in done-for-you mm-hmm. services, people still have to take that next step on their own. Right. So, you know, an example would be if um, if you are investing in, in a solution and some sort of, you know, just everyone can kind of think of a problem, you know, think of something that you want solved in your life, uh, an objective you have, and there's two offers and you invest in um, a $100 service or uh, solution and a $1,000 solution. Mm-hmm. In most cases, and if this were a live audience, I would ask people to you know raise your hand. Which which of these two would you use first? And in every case, hands would go up for the thousand dollar offer. If I invested a thousand dollars in something, that's the one I'm going to dig into. And um, because at this point, you don't know which is the best. So let's assume that they're equally effective. Mm-hmm. You're always going to go for that thousand dollar one because you have more invested. Right. And so it makes your clients better. Right. They're going to get mm-hmm. better results because. They're going to show up. They're going to dig in and do the work. They're going to do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do their homework and their due diligence. So it reflects well on you in many cases. Not every case. You know, I mean, this isn't just you know across the board every mm-hmm. time. But I think logically you you get that when people invest more, they show up uh, at a higher level. Right. Well, and of course the problem though for a small business owner or an entrepreneur is they it's the quantity quality thing. You know, they think well I need more people buying my product, therefore I must charge less. But that's where the problem comes in. You know, when they're charging less, initially and maybe all along, they might get more people, but they're going to get more better, more better people <laughs> yeah. if they if they charge more. And, and, you know, and obviously we're not saying charge too much um, because there is, you know, that you want to price it what the market will bear. But... <clears throat> You know, if you are just bringing warm bodies in, that's not really what you want to be doing. No, I mean, I think that can hurt your business. First off, you know, are you having to deliver a service for those people? Is there hands-on or is there, you know, some interaction that you're having? So now what you're doing Mm -hmm. is you're spreading yourself thin. So what if you could spend uh, better quality time with fewer people? You would be able to Mm -hmm. deliver a much higher level service. Right. And, you know, it's not about, you know, okay, you raise your price, you have to spend more time with people. But maybe there is a... Uh, an option where you can give somebody, let's take an, an example of somebody that does, uh, maybe they do some kind of tech work or, you know, let's say web design. Um, okay. Maybe there's something they can include, some bells and whistles, some plugins or other features, or maybe they can give them, uh, give their clients some time with, with a virtual assistant or something because they've set their price to a point where they can afford to do these extras. And so you're actually providing this great kind of concierge service for people. Um, and it doesn't mean that this is your only offer. So you can have a suite of offers where this is, you know, mm-hmm. here, this is at the, the high end. This is where, you know, if you want the best service, you want the best package, this is where you're going to invest. And there's always going to be that, you know, 3 4 5% of your market, that's where they want to invest. They don't want the low end. They don't want mm-hmm. just the information product. They want to get on the phone with somebody and, you know, get the coaching or training. So you're going to have different, I think we assume that, you know, everybody has to fit into one of these types of offers. 
and there's always going to be people who will only invest on the lower end. There are some people that will never invest anything. They're just looking mm -hmm. for free information. And then there are some people who will only invest at the higher end, and then you have people in between. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's you know good to look at that. And I teach people how to create information products so they can leverage their their ideas and their their content into lower price kind of uh, front door offers, so that you can still serve people who can't afford your higher end services. Mm -hmm. And so that's also something to consider too: is what could you do for other people as well? Right. Well, and we see that all the time with, you know, say a consultant who charges, I was uh, reading a book and I honestly don't remember what the subject was, but the consultant routinely charges upwards of $10,000 for someone to, to use his services, but his low-end offering for everybody was the book. You know, if you couldn't afford the $10,000, well, you could afford probably the fourteen ninety-five or whatever it was for the sure. book. So, you know, you, you do advise, I'm assuming, that people have kind of those free, those low-end offerings that they're not exactly teasers because, you know, it's not the bait and switch, you know, get them to do a little bit. But, you know, what is your philosophy on having those free and, and those very low-end products? I mean, clearly you, you advocate them. But, you know, is there, you know, does, does somebody have to do that or, you know, kind of, and, you know, obviously it depends on the product or the service, but, you know, what do you tell, especially a new business owner who then says, well, okay, you're, you're telling me I have to charge this big amount. Well, then you're saying I have to give it away for free. Yeah. Where is kind of that, that sweet spot? Yeah, I think that you kind of experiment a little bit, and there are people that you'll see that give away probably too much for free, and they don't have anything that they're monetizing. And then you get people that only have the high high-level offers, so then they're not mm -hmm. really, you know, if your message is important, I mean, I think you should get it out to more people. You know, mm -hmm. kind of help people that probably can't afford, you know, twenty, forty thousand. I mean, I know someone that has a fifty thousand dollar mastermind. Um, that's one of his only offers. He has right. a couple products at two thousand and a little bit of information out there that's free. But his, mm -hmm. you know, his stance is, hey, you know, I mean, this is the level I want to work with people, at. and that that's mm -hmm. his prerogative. So it's really your your objective. I think most people though go on the other side where they're giving away so much, but then they're not monetizing. Mm -hmm. But I believe in giving, you can give a lot of information away for free. And typically I would recommend doing it in bite-sized chunks. So if you're doing short videos, you're doing two, three-minute videos. Um, interviews, I love doing interviews like this. I think it's a great way to brand yourself and position right. yourself as an authority and an expert uh, on a topic, and it can happen really, really quick. So creating content is important, and you'll, your marketing and content will actually serve more people than your coaching or training because the majority of people won't invest. In any market, you're always right. going to have, you know, say you have a list of 5,000 people, you might have 100 clients mm -hmm. um, over the, the course of that time. So there's, you know, 4,900 people who haven't purchased, but they're getting great free information. But right. here's an example. I have a, a course that is profitable online courses. So it's how to I walk people through how to create an information product, you know, take their expertise, package it into a, a program, put it online, and make, make sales uh, more or less automated. So... Um, I put an email out to a list uh, to some of the recent buyers. And even though I, I have a monthly call with these people, you know, to, to support them, I would have said, hey, listen, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but I have a done with you level. And this mm -hmm. is really the only one-on-one -on -one coaching you get with me. If you're interested, go here and sign up for a call. We'll have a quick chat. And I told them about the price and I told them what they're getting. So it wasn't one of these, let's have a free strategy call and then I'm going to try to sell you. I mean, I mm -hmm. told them we're going to talk about this program. Here's what it costs, and it's a four-figure uh, investment. And um, I got four, four or five people um, sign up for the calls, and all of them joined the program. So mm -hmm. they still wanted more, and it, what it was was walking them through the content. So they already purchased the content, but okay. they have so many questions, and they want to know how this applies to them. And a lot of people just want feedback. They want to get on the phone mm -hmm. with somebody. They want the accountability. So mm -hmm. when it's, hey, we're going to get on the phone every week if you want, to make sure that you're getting this done over the course of three months, let's do it. Let's knock it out, and I'll help you get it done faster and better. And so that is what is enticing. So a lot of people, they can have the information, but there's still that group of people that want that feedback. They want that accountability. They want to mm -hmm. go deeper with the information because, of course, you can then, you know, any question that comes up, you can address that and really tailor it for that person. Right. Right. Well, and I think one of the key things that people need to remember is on the, the free or the discounted offerings that you have, it still has to be valuable. Mm -hmm. It still has to be high quality yes. um, because it is 
the, in a lot of ways, it is the, the teaser for your, your bigger product, um, you know, whether it's a product or a service. You know, we've all seen examples of somebody who does the five-minute informational videos, and they've got bad video quality, bad audio quality. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in front of a window, so you can't really see them, but that's their free service. So they're thinking, gee, I don't, I don't want to spend much time on it because it's free, but at the same point, the people who view it look at it and go, ugh. Well, why would I want to pay when this guy clearly or this this person clearly doesn't know even how to, to situate their video camera? Yeah. So you want to make sure that what you have is always that high level of quality. Yeah. Well, if you give away something that most people would be charging for, then people look at that and say, wow, if this person puts a price on the on a program, that must be incredible. Mm-hmm. So I believe in, in doing that. In fact, I'm looking to create a course that is a list-building course, and it's going to ah. be free. Because one of the mm-hmm. big obstacles I see with creating information products or getting clients is they don't have a list. So mm-hmm. what I want to do is kind of show them here, go through this course, start building your list, and then it takes away that mystery of, well, how can I sell a product? Because I've already hey. shown them how they can build a list. Mm-hmm. Or if they want to get higher-end clients, I've already shown them how they can have leads that are coming in on a regular basis and just get on the phone with these people and, and talk about your services. So. So thinking about that, too, could you give away information that supports what you're selling but isn't necessarily what you're selling? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. And small bits of what you're selling as well because I can show someone, mm-hmm. you know, here's how you upload uh, your content onto the Internet so that you can get your course online. Well, that's not the full mm-hmm. course. You, right. you still need to, to price it. You still need to name it. You still need to package it. You still need to get, um, you know, outline your content, know how to structure that so that it's actually a good learning experience. So mm-hmm. these are things that... You know, you can drip out little by little, but people will still pay for the convenience of having it all in one place. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and that's probably one of the keys is, you know, some people, they want the dribs and the drabs, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they want the five minutes here, yep. the ten minutes there, you know, to read something very quickly. But there are also those people who will pay to get it as the hour session or the two hour or, you know, whatever it is. And, and so that's kind of where that comes in. You know, if, if somebody really wants to spend five minutes here and there, great, you know, good for mm-hmm. them. But if they really, how many times do you really learn a lot from that though? You know, and, and obviously it depends on your learning style, but for most people, they want all of it, you know, and, and they want to see A through Z as opposed to A, then B. Then C, and then oops, they got lost, and so now they're on G and H. Yeah. You know? um, so I think that's where that that's very important. And of course, there are people who can skip some of those steps, so that might be why they're interested in the smaller portions. But you know, I, I love the fact that that you've got these different ways to be able to package this for your different types of of target audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you can charge. You know, this helps you with your pricing. If you're having information that's going out there and you're establishing yourself as an authority, and people are seeing, hey, you know. Deb has something that that I really need, and I, I mm-hmm. see that she can help me with this because she's already had, you know she's already presented herself very well and, and given information. You know I haven't heard anyone say it quite like this, um, and it doesn't mean that you have to be the only one in the world talking about what you do. That that actually right. doesn't even make sense because there might mm-hmm. not even be a market for what you're doing. So competition is mm-hmm. a good thing, but just be more prolific than your competition, and mm-hmm. you can stand out and you'll you'll you know absolutely get ahead. And then, of course, pay on higher fees if you want. And sometimes not just, you know, get your prices up. It's just be confident Mm -hmm. about what you're charging or what you want to charge. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's talk about that because the confidence thing really is something that a lot of people struggle Uh with, um, especially if we've raised our price or come up with an initial price that is higher. You know, somebody comes to you and they say, you know, hey, Tom, I see you have this product or service. You know, what do you charge? And you go, well, not you, because you know better than this. So, Bob, we've gone to Bob, and Bob says, well, I charge $1,000 an hour, if, if you can afford it. You yeah. know. How do you deal with people who really need to get that confidence level up to just knock the home run every single time? Uh, number one is making sure that they see the value that they're offering, because if you don't okay. see that your offer is valuable, then I, there's really no amount of, you know, positive thinking or mm-hmm. practice that's going to get you comfortable with that because still somewhere in your inside you're going, man, this isn't worth what I'm charging. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get back to the drawing board and, and look at your offer. And what happens is typically people look at, man, I'm only spending three hours with this and I'm charging a thousand bucks. You know, that's more than my doctor gets. And mm-hmm. that's the wrong approach because it's not the time spent with somebody, it's the result. 
So right. if you could snap your fingers and get the desired result for your client, that's probably the most value you could ever offer because you're getting them there faster. So actually mm -hmm. time, I think, is the reverse of value because if, if you're spending more time with somebody, that means it's taking longer to get where you're going. So how mm -hmm. can you actually speed up the process? And right. I, we really start looking at it that way. It's like, hey, if I can get you there quicker, it's even more money. Mm -hmm. um, that's you know kind of a hard sell, but I think people understand at least from that perspective that you're – you shouldn't be looking at your time when you're mm -hmm. setting a price. It's about what is it that you're offering? What's the solution? What's mm -hmm. the outcome? So if the outcome is clear and you have people that want that outcome and they want it bad enough to invest, then you can start seeing the value in what you're offering. So really mm -hmm. look at the outcome. That's what you're selling. So it's not, hey, we're going to get on the phone and I'm going to coach you on a few things over the next few months. And you know, I mean, that's that's just too wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. Yeah. <laughs> Great. We're not even looking at each other. You didn't have the same exact... Right. So right. that, but you get it, right? So, so what's mm -hmm. the result? What is it you're helping somebody with? And this can come on the fly. You know, if I'm talking to somebody on the phone and saying, "Hey, what are the, what's getting in your way right now?" Here's, you just told me that you're here in your business. You want to get over here, right? So you're struggling with these three things, and these, these three mm -hmm. things are, are, you know, what we you would like your business to look like. This, what's happening? What's, why aren't you there right now? You've, you've mm -hmm. identified that you have this, you know, where you want to go. You have a vision. Why aren't you there? Well, I'm missing A, B, and C. Okay. So now I can just kind of bring that back and say, well, listen, you know, you said that you're missing a system for attracting, you know, high-quality leads. You don't have a platform for delivering your services one-to-many instead of one-on-one, -on -one, and you don't have a format for enrolling these clients. Okay. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. So now it's very specific. So mm -hmm. what I'm going to do, we're going to work on these three things, probably going to take about three months, and you can kind of go into how you work together. And so now they're on board, like, oh, wow, you know, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Now how much does it cost? And then right. you get in the price. And you have to be matter-of-fact about the price. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, here's the salt, here's the pepper, this is what I charge. Mm -hmm. And you say it and you, you shut up. <laughs> and, and, of course, the, the key is you should be selling price last. Absolutely. You know, show them that value first, Absolutely. almost to the point of they don't care what it costs because they know they need yes. it. Even in my um, the email that I told you that I send out to my to, to clients of my mm -hmm. profitable online courses, it's in a PS that I get into the mm -hmm. price, and it's very matter of fact. By the way, here's right. what it costs. That's it. Mm -hmm. And if you've really shown the value, and 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 you know, and, and in the old marketing world, you know, I'm I'm one of those old marketing people. It was finding that pain, you know. So you want to find that pain, and you want to fix that pain. Yeah. And if it is painful enough to them, they really will pay what it takes to fix it, um, you know. And 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 granted, there are those who who can't. But again, that comes back to you've got the free and the low cost services yeah, for them. Absolutely. But if it's painful enough, they will fix it. You know, they'll find the way to be able to do it. Yeah, and really, you know, you want to help people. So if somebody can't afford this and you don't have mm -hmm. another solution, is there somebody else that they can that you can send them to? Right. You know, is there a, a colleague or somebody that has a great service that might be of benefit? And if somebody, you know, if you're a relationship coach and you're talking to somebody that's looking, you know, hey, I, I think I'm a couple weeks away from a divorce. And I, I don't want this. I don't want this for my kids. I don't want this for mm -hmm. me. Uh, I, I, I think we can work this out. But I, I don't know how to do this. You know, that's a person that's in pain. And mm -hmm. by working with you, that can be, I mean, you can't even put a price mm -hmm. on what that would do for that person. Right. Now, the marriage might still fall apart. That's not, again, it's not your, you can't go in and say, oh, my gosh. So you mm -hmm. put all this pressure on yourself. What if they pay me and I don't? Saving mm -hmm. the marriage. Well, it's not you saving the marriage. Right. They still right. have to do the work. Mm -hmm. But if you give them a free report, you think they're going to do it? Mm -mm. They're they're just going to skip on to the next thing. Yeah. But if they so, throw down some money and invest in working with you, mm -hmm. are they going to show up? Probably. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and one thing also is, you know, you don't want to take advantage of their situation. You know, say they are the person who is, you know, the divorce is imminent. You don't want to go, whoo-hoo, I can charge double then. Yeah. Um, you know, because this, you know, I always have to get a little social media in here. Social media is word of mouth on steroids. Yes. You know, and, and so the second that you gouge somebody on the price, that's when it hits their social media pages, you know, and and – you know, because maybe the marriage did still fall apart or, you know, whatever it was. And then nobody's going to come to you because they assume that you're that, you know, used car salesman who, who really is just out for yourself. Yeah, crook. <laughs> mm -hmm. Basically. Right, right. Yeah, you're just preying on people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not not the way to do it either. So there, there's a fine line, you know, and, and people have to check in with their gut too. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you're uncomfortable about your price, that's a good thing. If you're uncomfortable to the point of nausea, that's probably not a good right. thing. Right. So, um, but you probably shouldn't be 100% comfortable. I know people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really comfortable with this price, so this is what it is. So, well, you know, what if you could put the price up a little bit? What if you could bump it up a little yeah. more? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to, but, you know, what if, what if you could? Mm-hmm. Because it's never a comfortable thing to do. And then you do it, and you find, wow, I'm getting people hiring. They're hiring me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's new right. price. And then you look, yeah, so how do you think about your old price? I think it's mm-hmm. pretty cheap. Right. Well, and, of course, the worst thing is when you get through the whole process, and maybe you charged them $1,000. You get through the whole process, and they go, wow, this was so cool. I would have paid you $5,000. Yeah. you are like, oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had a uh, – I used to do a program called the Info Product Weekend, and it was $700. It was a virtual weekend where I walked people through, you know, the training and getting their product done and, you know, kind of in and out, kind of boot camp style. And I had a guy in Singapore. He was like, Tom, this program is worth 2000 at least. And um, – you know, it is different though when somebody actually experiences the work and they can give you that feedback. That's great, right. but you still have to convince people going in that it's worth mm-hmm. the two thousand. So that's where you can't right. just throw the price out there. You have to look at the value. So mm-hmm. if you go through this and you, at the end of this you have X, what's that worth? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a different price for everybody. It's subjective, but it, there's still a group of people you can say they are. For them, this is really important. This is valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is about doing that research about your competitors, too. Um, you know, what what are the people who are charging the low end? What do they provide? Yeah. Um, you know, the middle and, the, and then the high end. And, you know, and, and we talked about this the first time you were on. You know, just because you might be starting out, that doesn't mean you can't charge that upper level price. If you've got that value, you know, go for it. Don't undercut your prices just because you're the new guy on the block or you're building your list or building your business or, you know, all of those things. It's kind of the, if if they build it, if you build it, they will come. You know, if it's the right thing, people will come and they will pay that price. Yeah. I mean, you still have to do your marketing because you have to get yourself out there, but but you're right. And by positioning yourself as someone who has, you know, if, if you can identify the person or communicate the person's problem better than they can, they're going to assume that you have the solution, and right. they will pay. If they feel comfortable that you can get them where they want to go, they will pay. Mm-hmm. And they don't care whether you know, you've been in business for six months or six years. It yeah. makes absolutely no difference. Right. Right. You know, they just want their problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, Tom, we've only got a couple of minutes left. So first, tell people how they connect with you and find you online. Yeah. So the best place is to go to TomBufordMarketing.com. TomBufordMarketing.com, and that's just uh, that's my homepage for my blog, and you can learn more about me and my services. But also, I have a free report uh, that you can get by going to TomBufordMarketing.com forward slash Deb. Cool. D-E-B. So, and that's the uh, five deadly mistakes to fee setting and what to do if you've made mm-hmm. them. So, great. Uh, really good report, and that report actually, I've had I had somebody approach me at an event one time and, and tap me on the shoulder, said, "You're Tom Buford of." Charge what you deserve, aren't you? I said, yes. She said, I wanted to thank you because I've uh, tripled my prices and I'm getting it with wow. my consulting clients. And mm-hmm. it was due to your work. And it was actually my, my free information. So um, sometimes a light bulb just goes off. It's like a light switch mm-hmm. and then, boom, people can just mm-hmm. get it and you go out and do it. And it's just having the confidence and seeing the value that you have to offer. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay, so in one minute, be confident. I know you are. But in one minute, tell people... You know, if they're struggling with this, if they're just starting out, what are the steps that you need to take to really make sure that you can charge what you deserve? Yeah, number one is just look at the value that you have to offer. Remember, you're not selling time. You're selling a result. So what is that result? And get clear on this. And this is where I think getting a really well-defined niche can help because you can get very specific about the result. If you're a generalist, it's tough. Um, doesn't mean that you don't deliver amazing value, but it's more difficult for you to come up with that for yourself because – well, hey, I can serve everyone with everything. So, so really think about being a, uh, you know, being that specialist and looking right. at the value and what's the cost of not working with you, and recognize mm-hmm. that it's not your money. So you have it, you know, you're, you're probably further along than your clients because you've already gone through this, and this is something you're good at, and we should be charging the highest fees for the stuff that we're best at. So right. recognize that, and I think that will help. Perfect, perfect. Well, again, Tom, I am so glad that you were able to come back on um, because I, I do. I think this is critical for any business owner, whether they're small, medium, or large, entrepreneur. You know, we really do need to charge what we deserve. Um, and so thank you again for coming on. Pleasure to be here. 
Great. Thanks again to Deborah Jason for talking about LinkedIn with us for the first part of the hour. And for everyone out there, have a great day, and we will talk with you next week. We used to laugh. We used to cry. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>